0: Hey, thanks for listening to the Berwyn AG podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world. We hope this podcast helps you grow closer to the Lord. For more information, you can visit our website, berwynag.org, or you can find us on all social media platforms at Berwyn AG. If you're blessed by what you hear today, be sure to share and subscribe. Thanks, and as always, God bless.
1: How many of you have ever had somebody tell you that they just saw a great movie and that you need to go and see it? How many many of you ever had that happen before? Somebody just gives you the highest and just raises the level of your expectations for that movie and you just know when you plunk down a million dollars to go see that movie because that's what it seems like it costs and you buy $35 worth of popcorn to enjoy that you you just know you're going to be entertained, and it's a total stinker the whole time you're watching. You're like, "What is the matter with my friend?" I'm going to pray for them right now because they clearly don't understand what entertainment is. The level of your expectation is raised, and expectation is important. and 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 uh, we're, we're talking this year about bearing fruit and what it means to be a a fruit-bearing disciple of Jesus, and so. Excuse me. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 10, and t- where Jesus tells his disciples what they can expect as his followers. Verse 24 says this, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebel, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him, who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? (coughs) Excuse me. And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever not denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Holy Spirit, we desperately need you to bring a touch to our life today. Take this word, sharpen the tip, Lord God, of it, and drive it into our heart. Make it like an arrow, a shot from your bow, God, into our lives, Lord, so that we are changed forever by the truth of the word, in Jesus' name. Amen. A disciple is not above his teacher. The, the, the disciple role, the purpose of a disciple is to become a student. It is the mentoring role. It is the it is the 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 way we are to live our life is is to be followers of Jesus. And in fact, some people, some pastors have just gone with calling Christians Christ followers, people who follow after Jesus and do the things that Jesus would have them to do and and try to be molded and shaped. You know, it's more it, it takes more than just coming to church, doesn't it? Just because you stand in church doesn't mean you're a Christian. It doesn't mean that you you are are a, a person who's a follower of Jesus. We have been surprised by the hidden sins at times in people's lives. Who people who walked with us and ate breakfast with us and talked with us and worshipped even alongside of us and then found out that they had a secret life you know in you know and it's so shocking when that happens but we recognize it takes a deep abiding faith it takes something deeper than church attendance it takes discipleship bringing yourself under the lordship of Jesus and saying you're the boss i am under new management that's what we're going to celebrate next week when when people go into that baptismal tank, we're going to celebrate the fact that those people are proclaiming that there's a new manager of their life. There's a new Lord of their life. That person is now under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and everything is going to be changed and touched and tweaked because of who Jesus is. That's the way our life is supposed to be. Nothing is left untouched when you bring your life to Jesus. Your marriage gets better. Your kids uh, are are better. In Jesus' name, your kids are better. Right? Some of you are saying that's a word. I'm taking that to the cross today. Your job will be better, not because your job got better, but because you got better at your job, and now the job seems like it's better. I'm tempted to say something, but I won't say it. You know, the key to being a disciple is to have a teachable spirit. Right? Everybody knows somebody that you can't tell something to, right? You know that guy? Don't point. But you know that guy? The guy who you say to them and they go, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. But they may know, but they don't know. They may know in their head, but they don't know in their heart because like the theologians say the longest 18 inches in the world is from the top of your head to the top of your heart. Is that we, as people of God, we have to bring ourselves as disciples, learners. We are perpetually learners. Every day we are learning. Every day we have to bring ourselves into the presence of God. And we have to become the kind of people who learn something. Uh, this week, as, as, uh, uh, as we were working on my roof, because for, for those who don't know, uh, a, a windstorm or a tornado, who knows, uh, blew off my roof down on the farm, and so uh, it just ripped the roof right off. It's amazing, and uh, the power of the wind is is just amazing. Today in my devotions, I was thinking about that, and and thinking about the power of the wind, and that the Holy Spirit is likened to the wind, and that gave me a gospel goosebumps there for a minute to think that the power of the Holy Spirit is likened to the wind, but. When we when we bring ourselves there, we, we, we all come together and we're looking at something and we're trying to figure out how to fix it, but there are things we learn from each other as we're working, as we're just working alongside of each other. Oh, that's not how you do it. Use this. Don't, do, don't use that. Try that. Do, this, do it this way. Do it this way. And, and you learn, even though you think you know. Come on, how many of you think you know? But you, you learn, even though you think you know, the way to do it. A better way to do it. And sometimes in our life, God is saying to you, not that way, this way. Sometimes in our life, God is saying, no, 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 don't use that, use this. So God is tweaking us and using us and, and challenging us and deepening the roots of who we are if we are more than church goers. God doesn't want us to be a group of church goers. He wants us to be a church that goes. And in order to do that, you have to be Disciples. You have to be people who brought yourself underneath the tutelage of Jesus, who are listening to His voice every minute of the day. Today before the service, the worship team is talking about how God speaks to them as they're walking through the the week and how God prepares them in the morning and how they submit their hearts to the Lord in order to hear what the, the voice of God is saying to them as they're walking in their everyday life because Jesus is speaking every day. There are things you can learn today, even if it's Sunday, things you can learn even if it's Monday, things you can learn even if you're walking out your life because God is trying to show you those things because He cares enough to advance your learning. This is not a master's program. It is not a Ph.D. program. It is a lifelong program of discipleship. And you never, ever graduate because the degree means nothing the degree means nothing what means most is how close you're following your master a disciple is not above his teacher the goal of discipleship is that you would be like jesus Not like the pastor, not like a Sunday school teacher, not like somebody who you highly respect. You may learn from those people, but the goal is for you to be like Jesus. God is busy forming Christ in your heart. He's changing who you are, changing the way you think, changing the things that you appreciate. I remember the days when I would do anything to have more sin. Chase after the high. Chase after you know, relational experiences. Chase after all kinds of things. Because that's was what was driving me. But now I am a follower of Jesus. My passions have completely changed. I want to be more like Jesus. I caution you, don't beat yourself up because you're not there yet. Because in ten more years, you still won't be there yet. We are impatient, right? You're the same little kid that sat in the back of the car on the, on the long trip and said, are we there yet? And what did your folks say? No, we're not there yet. We just left the driveway. We're on our way. And that's what Jesus will say to you if you get impatient. And don't get down because you haven't been where you think you should be. Just live out the life that you're supposed to live right now. Follow the Holy Spirit on the, the day of today. Each day has enough trouble of its own, Jesus said. So as a disciple, allow yourself to be put into the crucible of learning and let him press his truth into your life. The goal is replication of the master so that there will be many, many little Jesuses walking around speaking. Your name will be changed. Your life will be changed. Your purpose will be changed. You can't just simply adopt the Christian mindset. You can't just read through some doctrinal statement and say, yeah, okay, that's what I believe. Those things have to be formed on the inside of you. You have to to give up what you have in your hand in order to embrace the new thing that God is going to put into your hand. So, yes, we are submitted to eternal truth, and we are yielding to the Master's hope, words of hope, and allowing ourselves to be formed and molded and transformed, and we are giving ourselves to God's relationship, this relationship that we have with Him. There's simply too much spiritual wisdom to download it in a sermon or to put it in a podcast and download it into your life. You can get wisdom from those things, but God is doing something in your life that is prescribed specifically for you. And that thing that he is prescribing for you can't be downloaded by someplace with an anointing on another house. Can't even be downloaded by the anointing on this house. It has to be you listening to the voice of Jesus, and Jesus will give you your marching orders, and you become this disciple saying, I just think about the original disciples. They walked with Jesus, they learned with from Jesus, they learned by watching Jesus do what Jesus was doing. And every day, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Watching and seeing and learning and trying to have it all come into our minds so that we become who who He wants us to be, which is Himself. You say, but I don't want to be like Jesus. I want to be like me. And that's the problem. We want to retain our own identity. Um, You'll still be yourself, but you'll be more like Jesus. People who didn't know you in the last few years, but knew you a long time ago, they'll walk up to you and say, what in the world happened to you? You're a totally different person. Yes, thank you Jesus for that. We know the guy that you can't tell anything to. He doesn't have a teachable spirit. He will not make it. He may survive, but he will not thrive as a believer in Jesus. If you are a person who doesn't have a teachable spirit, you cannot walk with God. Because God is in the business of teaching you. So if you're always, I know, I know, I know, I know God. God wants to bring us back to repentance over and over and over and over again. It, the repentance is the greatest gift we've ever been given by God. The ability to screw up and to come back. The, 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 the The idea of having something to do it wrong and then come back and have God say, no, do it like this. It's the loving kindness of the Father. It's the forbearance of God. It's the mercy. It's the patience of God working in us to help us to become the disciples that we ought to be. Listen to what he says again. The disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher. That's enough for you to be like Jesus. That's enough. If you are like Jesus, you've reached the goal line. So when you go home tonight, today, you walk into the... I scared some of you when I said tonight. I know, I'll let you out of here early. You go home, you're going to walk in the bathroom, you close the door, you look at yourself in the mirror, and if you don't see Jesus looking back at you, come on now, then the Holy Spirit still has work to do in your life. The deepest fruit that God can do is to make you like Jesus. Paul agonized over the state of the church in Galatians chapter 4. Paul agonized over this church. He said, I I am uh, in the anguish of childbirth, he says. I am in labor pains until Christ be formed in you. I am, that's the, that's the role of leadership, is to say, I'm longing, I'm aching, I'm desiring to see you become more like Jesus. Because the more you become like Jesus, the more people will follow you to your Jesus. And they will come and they will worship and they will will exalt God and they will tell their friends and their friends will tell their friends and the the population of heaven will be quadrupled because we are are living the, the life. We're living it out. The disciple is not above his teacher. The servant is not above his master. It is enough for you to be like Jesus. We could have an altar call right here this morning, couldn't we? To, for you to be like Jesus. Think of the things that we we prioritize in our life. We want to have fun. We want to be entertained. Lord, we want to be entertained. We will. We will pay our hundreds of dollars to have have thousands of channels piped into our living room so that we can sit on the couch in our underwear and flip through channel after channel after channel after channel and then complain to our spouse, nothing's on the television. We are so desperate to occupy our hearts with entertainment. And there's no doubt entertainment has its place, but let's not let it encroach upon the area that God is working in. God works... In so many areas of our life. He can work through those entertainment. He can work through plays. And he can work through all these. But, but we have to be careful that we don't become addicted to the entertainment medium. Somebody say amen then. Nudge your neighbor. He's talking to you, brother. So he says, okay, so you have some expectations. What are the expectations? Well, they called me Beelzebub. Beelzebul is a fancy name for the devil. They called me the devil. Being called the devil is par for the course for a Christian. You say, well, that doesn't seem logical. I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to get more holy. I'm trying to be more righteous. And people are going to call me the devil. Why would they call me the devil? I'm just going to ask you a question. How many of you have had family members who say, oh, You're in a cult. Raise your hand. Just encourage one another by raising your hand. Yes. All kinds of our family members tell us, oh, you're doing it wrong. I love when people who claim to be a Christian but don't attend church tell me we're doing it wrong. I love the person who tells me that I'm taking the Bible too seriously when they haven't read the Bible for years. I love it when those people who are confessing their sins to a man. Come on now. Avoid confessing their sins to God because they know God is the only one who can dispense mercy, but He expects full repentance. Jesus was blasphemed by teachers of the Word. Think about that. Jesus is blasphemed by the teachers of the Word. In Matthew chapter 12, he says, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Lot of questions about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, or what the, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. But blasphemy of the Holy Spirit in this circumstance here, this unforgivable sin that Jesus is talking about, is they're willing to give up the reality of the Spirit in order to remain important in other people's minds. And if we are not careful, it's very easy to do that because we're so interested in what other people are thinking. But those people will not be alongside you when you stand before God on Judgment Day. Those people will not be with you. Expect to be called the devil. I can almost hear some of the disciples looking at each other going, I don't think that's what we're signing up for, to be called the devil. He said there'll be people who have secrets, who are conspiring against you. Whose secrets are talking and tattling about you, and they're plotting and scheming against you. That's what he's telling his disciples. There'll be people who literally plot against you. I know people in this church who've lost their job because people conspired to get the Jesus freak out of the place where they worked. There'll be secrets told about you, whispers, rumors. You know what they said about the early Christians? That they ate their children. You know where that came from? That they were somehow cannibals. That's what was said about the early church. You know why they said that? Because in their worship, they ate the body and blood of the Lord Jesus And so they said that they were cannibals. There will be people who have secret rumors against you. Don't fear them, Jesus says. There will be misunderstandings and jealousies and bitternesses. They will abound in your life. Be certain plots will be made against you. But do not fear those people. Because you're blessed when you're persecuted for righteousness sake in the kingdom of God. The blessing comes to us we're, when we're persecuted because of the stand we take for Jesus, because we're living out as disciples, not just churchgoers. Doesn't always amaze you in the movies when the, the mafia king goes to the church and he sits in the church and hears the same sermon that everyone else hears? It just bothers me so much. How does not everyone not know that Vito Corleone over there is whacking people Saturday night? In fact, the whole body knows that guy's killing people over there. But everybody's like, Mr. Leone? I don't get it. Because it's so easy for our faith to become pretense. And we start pretending. We don't see the things that are there. Because we don't want to be the person who calls out evil when we see evil. And so we try to avoid that. We're non-confrontational. We don't like to have that confrontation. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. That's what Jesus said. He said there'll be threats from evil, but don't fear. There'll be threats. When you're, when you're being spiritually formed, there'll be physical fears that come to you because people are coming after you. The original disciples, of course, face death. But we may face Other things, other physical things. I've had people throw me out of hospital rooms. I've had people, you know, I can come to pray for somebody and the family members don't want me there. They throw me out, physically throw me out of the room so that I can't pray for their loved one. You know, you you think my flesh doesn't want to say, well, then go ahead and die. I don't care. But I don't say that on the outside. There will be people who want to fight you because of your stance for the faith. You say, well, this doesn't sound like great expectations. These expectations that Jesus has for his disciples, these but you see, you have to be tough enough. And the reason why a lot of people aren't Christians is they automatically know they're not tough enough because they're a slave to people's opinions about themselves. You have to take a stand. Greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. If they come and lop off your feet, you can trust in Jesus. If they throw you in jail, trust the Holy Spirit. He'll give you the words to say. If they torture you to death, you'll get heaven in return. This is what it is to be a follower of Jesus. God did not say the road will be paved with rose petals everywhere you go because you have the name of Jesus on you. He did not say that the power of Christ was going to go before you and take away every stumbling stone in your life. He said, the Holy Spirit will work on the inside of you and He will fill you up with strength and power so that you will be able to endure the hardships that are before you. I came across this verse yesterday in my devotion, Psalm 138. If you want to turn there, this is worth underlining in your Bible, I think. I don't know. It meant a lot to me. Psalm 138. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. Before the gods, I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple and will praise your name for your love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word, and when I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. I love that. When I called upon you, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. There's a strength of soul that comes on the inside of you. When you call upon the Lord, when your full trust is in Him, there's a, there's a something that happens on the inside that makes you, what other people may say, stubborn. Come on now. Bull-headed. Hard-headed. Hard to talk to. Intolerant. Not in the way of us being really intolerant. But if you want to talk to me about Buddha, I'll be more than happy to talk to you about Buddha, but at the end of the conversation, I worship Jesus. If you want to talk... In other words, my my tolerance, I'll listen, but I'm listening as a follower of Christ. I'm totally given over to the following of Jesus. Everything in me says it's all about Jesus. Today, tomorrow, this evening, no matter where I go, no matter what time I go, the Lord, it goes before us. Everything about Him is is what I want. I need to be more compassionate. I need to be more loving. I need to be more faithful. I need to get His wisdom. I need everything about I have been following the Lord for decades, and I still realize that I'm an idiot. When I stand in the presence of the Lord. Some of you knew that already. Praise the Lord. It's a gift of discernment or something. We're even told not to worry when we face death because He has seen the future for us and He will never leave us nor forsake us. It doesn't take too long to read the history of the church fathers as they're being burned on the stakes singing praises to God that's pretty that's pretty bullheaded. you know why they were being tortured for their faith is because they, all they had to say was Caesar is Lord all they had to do was make a political statement Caesar is Lord but they refused to do it because they couldn't get beyond the fact that Jesus is their Lord they could have saved their own life, but they didn't. They chose to testify. The other thing that we can expect is we can expect to feel kind of insignificant. We can be a little bit insecure because we faith is like that. You don't always know what's going to happen. Like you always wonder what's Jesus gonna do next? What's he gonna, where is he leading me next? Where is he taking me next? There's this kind of this the sense in which you don't know and he, he says he said there's going to be you're going you're going to feel as though that you're you're like a sparrow a sp- sparrows it was kind of gross but sparrows were were sold in the marketplace so that people could eat sparrows sparrow eating people were poor people you know sparrow you know what a sparrow is about this big i can't imagine what the amount of meat there is on a sparrow, but evidently people would do They were sold for a penny. And it's logical for us at some point to think, maybe we're not worth all that much because God thinks we're expendable, but don't misunderstand God's purpose. He sent His Son to die for you. And yes, you are expendable, but yes, God knows that you are worth more than many sparrows. God thinks you're Worth the death of His Son. And so God has invested. Do not allow yourself to come under this insecurity and this insignificance. Christ is being formed in you. Through hardship? Yes. Through difficulty? Yes. Through struggle? Yes. All these things are allowing Christ to be formed in you. What happens? How does does Christ... How do I know Christ is being formed in you, in me? Well, I know because the things that are happening on the inside of me suddenly reveal that I, I'm beginning to care more about the things that Jesus cares about. When was the last time you wept over the lost? In your apartment building, on your block, in your family, those that don't know Jesus? When was the last time? You shed tears in prayer as you cried out to God saying, God, bring the light of Christ into the darkness that they live in. Save their life. Bring them to wholeness and holiness. Don't care so much about gadgets. Stuff is stuff, isn't it? Stuff is just stuff. Gadgets and little trinkets and things that we... They take up our time. They're like little entertainment for our brains. They, they, they begin, and at first you can be really enamored by that kind of stuff, but eventually you begin to lay that stuff aside and say, look, I just want to talk to someone about Jesus. I just want to share my heart with someone about Jesus. I just want to care about that person's soul. Money, cars, cool stuff don't get you through a storm. Only Jesus gets you through the storm. So how do I become as passionate about these things that Jesus is passionate about? How do I become that passionate? Well, I have to invest my time in the things of God. That means daily devotions, time in the Word, all that kind of stuff, that good stuff. How much do I really, really serve the Lord? How much do I give to the Lord? See, discipleship is an active thing it's not a sit in the classroom until you get it all together then stand up and tell everybody about it it's an active thing so God works in us as we are being faithful to serve God shows us some I remember the first time I went into a children's church and I was willing to do anything how many of you remember the day that you said to God I'll do anything you want me to right you remember that day You were at the altar. God was moving. You probably had some boogers and some tears running down your face. And you said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. And then I felt like the Lord said, go into the children's church. And I went into the children's church. A little kid named Bobby, next Sunday, he had brought a little motor and a battery. motor wasn't connected to anything, but it made just enough noise to irritate me. Zzzz. I realized I'm not called the children's ministry. Because I want to kill Bobby right now. God was showing me not that Bobby needed to die. God was showing me that there's a part of Dave that needed to die. And then he was allowing Bobby to be used as a tool of, the, tool of God to show me how easily aggravated I could be by a five-year-old with a battery and a little electric motor by the end of that first one-hour session. And thank you, Jesus, the pastor didn't go long that day. I had already resigned. This isn't for me. I understand it. I don't, I'm not there yet. I can't do this. This isn't what I'm called to do. Sometimes you have to do stuff just to see this is not something I can do. Right? One time I had a a, a Montero and I decided I'm going to change the spark plugs. And I noticed that all the spark plugs in the Montero were were newer, but there was one in there that was really old. And... Now in my wise old 60s, I would say, there's a reason why that plug was never changed. Right? Oh, well not then. Not then. Then I was in my 40s, and then I thought I knew a lot of stuff. So I put that thing on there and snapped off that, that thing right in the block. That's, I had half a spark plug in there. Now, it's got to come out. Any intelligent person would say, this needs to go to the shop, not me. (laughs) I'm going to do it myself. I contrived a machine made out of straws from McDonald's and a drill to suck out the metal as I've Tried to drill down the center of what was left of that spark plug, knowing full well that all the other stuff was going in the cylinder head. I never drove that car ever again. It was ruined. I had ruined the, the car. It was pretty well ruined by the time I got it, anyway. Actually, these days I'm pretty thankful I don't drive that car. It was a stick shift and cell phones had just come out. and I was really having a hard time negotiating the cell phone and the stick shift and my cup of coffee. I didn't know where to set all of them while I was driving around. Because that's three things and I only had two hands. And that was before they put cup holders. It's amazing to think that they have cup holders in cars now, but they didn't have them back then. There was no cup holders. You had to like, Stick it in the window and roll the window up. You, how many of you ever did that? You did that? Yeah, but that makes your coffee cold, you know. You, There's got to be a quick call because I'm, my coffee's in the window right now. Wait, third gear. Uh, okay. God brings us through this stuff to show us who we are. I realized on that day, not a mechanic. Not a children's minister. But you have to go through those things because God is trying to show you who you are. And probably because our vision of ourselves is so much smaller than what God wants to use us for. We think we just want to be this, but God says, but I've envisioned you. I've seen you. I have a, a vision for your life that's this. And we think, oh, I'll just take the elevator up there. Oh, no. You take the stairs. The stairs are arduous and you will be sweaty when you get there. And by the time you get there, you will know every level that you have been on as you've walked that way. How much do I serve the Lord? It's in serving the Lord. How much do I serve for the glory of the Lord? Sometimes we serve for our own glory. Pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Look at me. I want to be the center of the tension that's the way many of us are. I can honestly say to you today that if the Lord said, I don't want you to ever say another word in church for the rest of your life, it would be hard because I love to teach the Word. But I would be more than happy to do that because I don't need to be here. I don't need to be up front. I don't need to be important because... I know in whom I have believed. And I am convinced that what I have entrusted to him, he will keep until that day. And he knows my heart. And I just have to just follow him. I just want to be a servant of God. And even when I've done everything he told me to do, he said, even then you will still be unworthy servants. Even if you're fully obedient. Why? Because God is busy working on the inside of us. How much do I serve? How much do I give? How much do I read? How much do I pray? How much am I surrendered to divine interruptions in my life? You know, God interrupts our plans. And many of us are just trying to push that off and say, no, God, I don't have time for that. I have an agenda. I have to get through my agenda. And God says, no, here, I want you to talk to this person. Oh, you know that person talks forever. They never shut up. Yes. They need to be loved. And so you talk to them and you hear their heart and you understand them and you, you, you pray with them and, you, and, you, and then you, you at the end of it, sometimes you walk away and say, what, what, what was that all about? I don't even know if, that's, if I did any good. But there is such a thing as the ministry of presence. Just being there. Being there in someone's difficult time. Just showing up. Quietly sitting there. I mean, people say to me, I just don't know what to say to people at at a wake. You know how many wakes I've been to? You know how many funerals I've done? Probably hundreds and hundreds. You know what I think about that? I don't know what to say either. Because there's nothing you could say when someone loses someone who's so close to them. All you can do is just be there and remind them we have hope in Jesus Christ. God loved them more than you love them. As much as you love them, God loved them more than that. And just remind them of, of, of who God is and how futile this life is and how we are all grass and, and we're burned up in just a few short seconds, it seems. This life is so short, it goes by like that. I can't believe it's the 13th of January already. I feel like someone vacuumed the first two weeks of the, of, the, of the calendar right off my calendar. What happened? My week of prayer turned into a week of a couple prayers. How determined am I to keep myself from being distracted by the shiny things of this world? One of the things in the devotion, if you haven't read the devotions, you should go online and read the devotions from last week. Pastor Seth did a masterful job on those. They were very rich. One of those things talked about being distracted by shiny things the deceitfulness of riches, the cares and the distractions in this world, the things of this earth. So easy. To be drawn away from your having your attention on Christ. Because Jesus let's be honest, Jesus, when we pray, He doesn't come in the 10:40 HD. He's not shining into our, our head, right? Jesus is a little fuzzy. The Bible says we see through the glass darkly. We don't see exactly what Jesus is saying. Even on our best day, even in our deepest prayer, even when we're spiritually sold out, we misunderstand the things that Jesus said. In this church, we don't hammer people for following God, what they think is God, that turns out to be a mistake. You know, we don't do that. Because that's better than sitting there until it's perfectly safe. Because if you sit there until it's perfectly safe, you'll never do a stinking thing for the kingdom of God. You got to get up and you got to stretch yourself. You got to get out there and you have to connect with Christ and get out there. And, you know, sometimes you have to just suck it up and think through the thing you're going to say. And then just say, Can I tell you about Jesus? And I'd rather have somebody say, Eh, go fish, than me never say it. You know how many times, almost every week, someone says, I felt like I had a word today. I felt like I had a word today in the middle of worship pastor, but I didn't give it because I wasn't 100% sure. And on the inside of me, I want to say, jump in the water's fine. We haven't crucified anybody for years. (laughs) Just step out in faith and say what you think. See, prophecies and those things, they come as you step out in faith. Sometimes you no, you don't have any idea what God's going to say until you say, my people, my people, the Lord would say. And it's at that point that God fills in the blank. Because we prophesy, the Scripture says, we prophesy by faith. And we know in part. We know in part. We don't know the whole thing. If you know the whole thing, it's about a 98% chance it's you. And honestly, we don't probably need to hear from you, but we're more than happy to hear from Jesus. So just step out and do what God has called you to do. You say, well, what if I make a mistake? You know what? We'll go, hey, good one. That was totally screwed up. (laughs) We'll tell you in the most loving fashion, you messed it up. I remember this one gal started off a wonderful prophecy, and it was just so powerful, and then it trailed, you could almost hear the click where the spirit stopped and she just kept on going. And she yammered on about a bunch of other things. And, and she said, I said, Sister, let me pray with you about that word that you gave. I pray that the Lord will help the congregation receive the first three lines of that word. Because after three lines, you kind of we get enamored hearing our voices you know I do it every Sunday I know it's, I get pretty caught up I'm like well that was good I'm high fiving myself up here amen amening myself you know it's easy to do that but if we just want what God wants for us then we should be willing to hear it from anyone God has used a donkey in the Bible to speak his word surely he can use you right God used a donkey that doesn't speak. What do you call a donkey that doesn't speak? Dumb. Right? Dumb. And what's the other word for a donkey? A dumb donkey. If God has spoken through a dumb donkey, He could speak through you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you this morning. Yeah. Yeah. God wants to speak through his people. The body of Christ, you weren't saved just to go to heaven. You were saved to be a part of the body. We're connected together. We are, we are woven together. We have words for one another. We may not be professionals of delivering them, but we, we give them out with, we speak the truth in love. Lovingly, we say, this is what I think the Lord has for you. And if the person says, oh, you must have that all wrong, that's okay. I remember a guy, I, the Lord spoke to me that he was in sexual sin, so I went and told him that he was in sexual sin. oh, you got it all wrong, Pastor. I'm not in sexual sin. I said, really? Because the Lord really spoke that clear to me in my devotional time that you're in sexual sin and that God wanted you to knock it off. No, 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 Pastor, that, You got it all wrong. Okay, well, you know I love you. That's why I came there. I'm trying to follow the Lord. She was pregnant just a few months later. And his life has been changed because of that. They never got married. But you just think about those things. Teachable spirit. Are you still learning? Or are you done because you've got your degree? You got your degree from a Bible college. You attended a Sunday school class. You've already studied the book of Acts. You know all there is to know in the book of Acts. Have you, are you done? Or are you still learning? I guess that's the question that I'm asking. Are we still disciples of Jesus? There are expectations. One final expectation I should mention. If you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father. There is no greater joy than to really think of that moment in time. When some angel says, why should I allow you to be in heaven? You are a filthy sinner. You're broken. You are unworthy. And to hear the Father say, no, no, Jesus just told me He's one of mine. that He acknowledges us in heaven. And if we don't acknowledge Him on earth, we also have an expectation that He will not acknowledge us before the Lord Almighty in heaven. Let us pray.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. We take pride in creating free content that will hopefully enrich your life and lead you closer to the heart of the Father. If you're blessed by what you heard today, help us continue to make content just like this by sharing, subscribing, and if you feel led, by contributing financially on our website, berwinag.org. As always, if there's anything that we can do to help you in your walk with the Lord, contact us on our website, berwinag.org, or on social media at berwinag.org. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.